Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Rob and Barr. Nope. (laughs) Yes, we do. You're right there. You just responded to me. Yep. (laughs) We also have Bill Graham. Elvis has left the building. Uh, Wrong episode. (laughs) Bill saw Elvis today. But is a week still hyped for that. It would be <laughs> hilarious if you walked in. And you're like, guys, didn't see Nope, but I saw Elvis. So, current <laughs> to your review, I'm just going to talk about Elvis a lot. <laughs> um, but Bill, as he said, was hyped. He apparently did not realize that the movie was close to three hours. So that is just about as ringing of an endorsement as I think you can get from Bill Graham for a movie. With yeah. us today <laughs> to talk about another two plus hour long movie. Uh, and that is Jordan Peele's Nope, which is out in theaters right now. It's Richard Newby. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Hey, thank you for being here. Would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Uh, yeah, sure. I am a uh, contributor for The Hollywood Reporter and, Fing- and Fangoria. Um, I'm also, also an author of a collection of short horror stories. We make monsters here. Uh, and I write for a bunch of other places, too, uh, including uh, Vulture, uh, Inverse, and AV Club. Nice. We got the right man for the job. <laughs> Heck yeah. We make monsters. That's awesome. That's a great That's a great title. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. And yeah, as I said, we are here today to talk about Nope, the newest film from writer-director Jordan Peele. This movie stars Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer. And uh, super excited to talk about it. Before we do that, all of the usual stuff. You can find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, the Film Stage Show. You can email us, podcast at filmstage.com. And, of course, you can give us a comment or rating on iTunes. And you can go to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow in order to become a patron of this here podcast, uh, which allows you to access our super cool Slack channel where we talk about cool stuff, like how one of the patrons has COVID. Dun, dun, dun. What will happen next? I um, just need to say this in case something weird happens to me. I'm looking out my window into my backyard and there is definitely ash floating by. (laughs) Oh, lovely. My dogs aren't going crazy, so I assume it's not part of my house that's on fire. But hopefully everyone else in my neighborhood is doing great. Maybe it's just a barbecue. I'm assuming that, like, so we had a windstorm that tore through, blah, blah, blah. Maybe someone's just burning, like, some brush, you know, and some fallen branches and stuff. It's it's the Thanos snap. God, that would be incredible. (laughs) Um, How do you know you wouldn't be sacrificed, man? I don't. It's chance. It's pure, random. Yeah, there's no sacrifice. That that was his whole pitch, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's I haven't just, seen the movie. Yeah, what? unpolitical, un, un, you know, he was like not based on gender, race. Fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. You know, what would be funny. I I guarantee that at some point, post snap, like Slate dot com did like an analysis of data and was like, can we talk about how Thanos's snap unfairly affected? Oh my the god, population. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, boy. 
Anyway, just imagining internet hot takes in alternate universes, that's that's a good time. Anyway, uh, we are not brought to you by Slate.com. We are brought to you by Mubi, a uh, curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi brings a brand new film from iconic directors to emerging auteurs. And there's emerging. always... Emerging. Yeah, from Mubi. Emerging. Emerging auteurs. There's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected. It's like your own personal film festival streaming anytime, anywhere. I would also like to bring up the fact that Mubi's acclaimed audio documentary series, The Movie Podcast, returns this summer for its second season. This time the focus is on movie theaters because in a time where too many cinemas are shutting down, we think it's time to lift them up. Titled Only in Theaters, the new season will tell surprising stories of individual movie theaters that had a huge impact on film history and in some cases, history in general. So you can listen to the newest season of the movie podcast by going to uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And we had, last week, the host on for our excellent discussion about Elvis. Bill, you just saw Elvis. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's giving you another opportunity to just shout about it. Yeah, it's great. It's, yeah. it's, it's not what you expect, which is perfect because, you know, if... It was exactly what you expected. It would probably just be another, uh, what is it? Biopic? What are they called? Yeah, biopic. Yeah. Biopic, biopic, whatever. Biopic. Yeah. Biopic, bi- biopic, whatever you want to say. I'm almost I'm, positive I, it's biopic. I, I don't it's think. It's not a uh, surgery. It's not a biopic. It's, it, it's, it's a made up word. So, it's you know, you can, you can choose how to. We know that. We got that at least. Oh boy. Okay. All right, now there's smoke in my backyard. Give me one second. I'm going to look out a different window of my house just to make sure everything's cool next why, door. Why don't you take like two minutes and go check? No, I got a I got a window that looks out over my my uh, my neighbors. So I'm just, and it's in this room. So I'm just I'll be right back. What what, what if it's the tree above your house? Like we'll find out in a moment. I guess never a dull moment on this podcast. I was correct. Someone is burning brush. It's fine. <laughs> wow. I just needed okay. to be sure. I just, I just. Do you live in the city? I thought no, you lived in the city. Bill, oh. no. I live in the suburbs. Like a, He's a classic burb dad. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think the suburbs is a city. So therefore, the yes, you still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still I, think it's part. I live like in Garland a... is a city. Okay, mm. but I still have like a lawn and shit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's still the city. I don't understand. I live in Dallas. I live in the city. How country are you that you think that suburbs are a city? No, how city are you that you think that suburbs are? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. He's Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, Dallas, Dallas. Dallas. And I have a backyard. A suburb. Okay. I don't live in an urban area. I live in a suburban area where I have a third of an acre of land. And amongst other okay. people who have anywhere from one quarter to one third of an acre as well. And those people have trees. And sometimes those trees drop tree limbs. And sometimes people burn those in fire pits. Hmm. I'm not used to seeing that happen, well, especially you know, up in Texas. Still, I'm going to make a unless, TikTok and I'm going to send it to you. I don't know unless you live me. in the country. Okay. This is very strange. Then it happens My backyard time. is a parking lot. So who is the most city right here? <laughs> me. You know, the, sometimes they, they pave paradise to put up a parking lot. Mm-hmm. That's a great start. 
This is a perfect podcast. I can't think of anything <laughs> wrong with this. Anyway, for your free 30-day trial of movie, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. And remember to look for the movie podcast wherever you catch your podcasts. So that is all of our preamble. Unless anyone has anything else they would like to talk about, we can get to our feature review of Nope. All right. I'm going to take nope. that extended silence to mean that everyone's cool with us uh, going on. So here, again, is the trailer for Nope, which is in theaters now and was written and directed by Jordan Peele and stars Daniel Kluya and Kiki Palmer. What if I told you that today you'll leave here different? Pops. Pops! I'm talking to you. All right, so that is the opening of the trailer for Nope, which is out in theaters now. And uh, it focuses on a family of horse trainers for the Hollywood set uh, that experienced some strange goings on on their ranch. And we are here to talk about it. We will begin, of course, with our nutshell thoughts before going deeper and deeper until we get into spoilers. And we'll begin with our guest. So, Richard Doobie, what are your basic all-around overarching thoughts on Nope? Yeah, I uh, I loved it. I'm a, I'm a huge Jordan Peele fan, um, and this one I think was the most you know shrouded in mystery out of his his three films so far. Um, and you know the the trailers were really interesting because they didn't really give a clear sense of what the tone would be, uh, or even what the movie was about. I mean, I think we, we all kind of had a general sense that it had something to do with uh, an alien life form. Um, but exactly like how that plays into the film was not at all what I was expecting, uh, which I, 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 I honestly kind of love. I feel like so much of movie going today, especially with like these big event level films, you know, you really know what you're, you're going to see before you go see it. Uh, but this was, was such a surprise uh, in terms of, of where it went and kind of how it uh tackled a, a subgenre that that we're you know all very familiar with i mean we've been hollywood has been making movies with ufos and aliens you know basically since we've been making movies uh and yet peel finds a way to do something different here that we haven't seen before um so that was a major highlight also uh the cast is an incredible uh daniel kaluuya stephen young uh kiki palmer all just give fantastic uh performances uh and i also just like was really impressed by uh jordan peele's filmmaking like i think that he has really evolved as a filmmaker you know over the course of these three films i mean this is clearly bigger in scope than us and get out but i think that you can tell that he's someone who's very interested in changing his his filmmaking uh you know tactics to kind of fit the technology that he's using he used the imax camera with this one and i think you can definitely see the 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 scope of broadening but then also just you know i I think that he is a filmmaker who you can tell is very invested in pop culture and watches a lot of movies and a lot of television shows and it's interesting how that kind of plays in and impacts uh what we see in nope given that so much of it is about uh viewership and kind of the way that he uses certain camera angles or highlights uh you know music over you know 
uh, oversight in at certain points, you know, in terms of, of creating the suspense and what we don't see. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I found it a really brilliant film, uh, and you know, maybe, maybe his best, uh, directed out of the three. All right. Robin Barr. Yeah. You know, I have to agree with you on, on many of those points. Um, I don't think I loved the movie as much as you did. I, I actually had a lot of issues with it, but I do think it is my favorite of the three films that he has directed. Um, you know, get out is one of those movies that I probably in, appreciate more on an intellectual level than on like an artistic level. Um, because it, it is a very intelligent movie, but I, it, it definitely felt like a, a first time outing. Whereas this definitely feels like Peel is graduating um, in his craftsmanship. So I, I liked the grandness of this film, you know, it had a really great score. Um, it has really beautiful cinematography, really eye-catching cinematography. And I definitely want to talk more about some sequences that just uh, drew me in, you know, visually. I thought the performances were great. Um, Daniel Kaluuya is, is really understated and it works very well. It, uh, it, his performance is such a great contrast to Kiki Palmer's. Um, and she, she was also excellent. Um, the energy that she brought to this role really, really counterbalances Kaluuya's, um, more subdued style in this film. Um, so there's a lot of things like that, that I was really drawn into. I also thought it was really good use of special effects. Like it wasn't overdone. It wasn't like this, a CGI mess, you know, it didn't look plasticky to me. Um, but I had a lot of issues with the pacing. It's a movie that stops and starts quite a bit and, and it really doesn't get going until I think to, it really doesn't feel like there's momentum until you basically get to the climax, which is not, um, not my favorite thing, it, you know, definitely kind of felt like, okay, let's get going here. Like it, and it's very purposeful, right? Like it's to build tension. It's, it's also, there's like a, a comic element to those stops and starts. Um, it's just like a very classic comedy uh, process, I guess. Um, but it just, it was more frustrating than entertaining to me. And I just, I mean, we'll talk about this, but the overall conceit of the film, basically what these two characters are trying to do, I just didn't really buy it. And we'll, we'll talk definitely a lot more about that. Um, I just couldn't get into the central goal because uh, it didn't feel, didn't, it didn't feel something, tan it didn't feel tangible to me in this day and age. Um, and I wish I could be more explicit, but we're in the non-spoiler section. Um, I would say overall, you know, what you described, Richard, is really interesting that that Peel is a filmmaker who loves movies and loves TV and pop culture. And that's so obvious because he, he references popular culture throughout the film. Um, it definitely feels like in a very specific time and space. And yet it was those things, those those grounding elements that I actually thought maybe hindered the movie a bit because I kind of felt like, well, in five years, this might be like a really dated reference or the specificity of these of these references feels so targeted to the the audience it's being marketed to that it feels like it it's it's not really going to be able to transcend that and that's how it kind of felt a little bit about us where there were so many references to like growing up in the 80s that I was just like oh it's like is he milking audiences nostalgia 
in a way as like a shorthand to like get to to get us to enjoy the film like it felt a little cheap to me and us and i'm not saying it feels cheap in in nope but those references like i'm always a little bit skeptical of them so there were so i loved the grandness of the craftsmanship the story and the and the execution of the story i had definitely had issues with but overall definitely a movie i think should be seen should be seen in theaters um i enjoyed it in imax it definitely feels like an event film. All right. Bill Graham. So the more I think about this film, the more I, I like it. Um, when I first got out, I was, I was a little frustrated by a couple of things and I still have those kind of hangups, but for the most part, I've come to appreciate it more and more. Um, I will say that the film is a little bit too long. It seems like, uh, Jordan's films have gotten increasingly longer, uh, with, you know, Get Out being the shortest and then us being the second longest and then this one being the longest. It's it actually breaches the two hour mark. I think it's 210 or something like that. Um, yeah, 131. So, uh, you know, I feel like this happens to a lot of filmmakers once they have their brand, once they have that name brand, uh, a lot of their films end up kind of going through this bloat phase. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, two hours and 10 is necessarily bloated, but it definitely feels like there is a lot of fat here that could have been trimmed. Uh, there's some threads that are continually pulled together that don't quite go anywhere that I feel. Um, but they're effective nonetheless. And so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things going on in this film. And I think when it focuses from kind of the end of act two into act three, and really kind of sinks its teeth in, uh, that's when it's at its best, um, which is interesting because I've seen a lot of people, their comments on this are that the, you know, the third act is where things kind of fall apart. But I feel like that's when things really kind of congeal for me. Mm. Um, and so I really enjoyed this, but it's definitely something that I had to kind of come around to. I wish I had seen this in IMAX. Uh, Hoida, Hoida Van Hoitema, I believe. Yeah. Uh, he is a incredible cinematographer. Um, and the fact that Jordan was able to work with him on this really seems like it upped his game and uh, allowed him to, to capture things that he probably wouldn't have uh, otherwise. And yeah, I definitely agree with our guests that this is maybe his best filmmaking film um, in terms of, you know, just craftsmanship and things like that. Um, but still, I do feel like uh, maybe some of this stuff should have been edited out and uh, we would have had a, a much leaner, tighter, uh, you know, straightforward film. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'm definitely looking forward to talking about this in spoilers because I have some some hangups that I, I can't divulge until we get there. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised by this. So, yeah, I mean, I oh, mean and I didn't I didn't like us. So. I, I mean, I, I say, I say I didn't like it. I, I felt it was fine. Like, I really didn't like, like it. I got out of, yeah, I, I, I got out of it and I was just like, okay, cool. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I um. So I will say that we're probably going to move into spoilers pretty quickly. I don't. I don't know. That's how to fine. Talk about this movie without that. Um, as for my personal thoughts, I'm the opposite of Bill. Uh, I didn't like this movie coming out that much. I thought it was like a fine diversion that always like had too many things going on and like had too much to say, but didn't say anything meaningful about the things it was trying to say. And there was a problem, but then the more I thought about it and the more I've sat with it, the less I've liked it. Um, I like it more than us. I think, I don't know. It's my, I'm pretty sure when I, when I was in us, don't know what that sounds like. Um, I, I just had, the the visceral reactions because Peel's a super good filmmaker, right? And so you're in it in the moment, and then you like step away, and you're like, "What the fuck was all that?" So sure. I even I even sent in our Slack channel the tweet that I I'd, I'd written to you know send out the review that I wrote for the film stage for us, and it was like you know Get Out was a finely honed fillet knife. Us is one of those multi tools that has so many pieces that it's hard to take them out and it doesn't fit in your pocket, like. And this movie is that same thing. I think just maybe like with one or two fewer tools, so it's slightly better. I also think that just his his directing keeps improving, and so it's easier to look past the flaws of which I think there are are many. Um, and it's it's a bummer because I still put myself out there as like a fan of his. Like you know, Get Out was like great. It was to me get out was like perfect. And I just mm-hmm. keep waiting for him to 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 make that again like another like brisk, you know, simple narrative with like a lot of cool ideas and and um you know just like I don't like I <laughs> You know, like it, it makes me think of like Yana Colasera, where you're just like, yeah, you know, it's like a, it's it's a simple idea, but it's like effectively executed. And I just think he keeps trying to put so much stuff in these movies now that he's got like the the clout to do it, and it's just it really takes away. Like I walked out of this movie and I realized that like I didn't know if certain characters were still alive. I didn't understand at the end what the stakes were for anyone. Mm-hmm. It, like I just lost all like and but the thing is I didn't realize it in the moment because the final set piece in this movie fucking rules I just yeah. at yes. the end of it realized like oh uh, there's nothing happened like what's happening what happened like where what are the goalposts like did that thing like I can't even talk about it but anyway <laughs> it's, um I think that a lot of people can and will enjoy this movie because they might not get as hung up on it as I do. But I just, like, at the end of it, was like, why did we need half of those things? Like, the movie has, like, three cold opens. <laughs> it's insane. Mm. Why is this such a complex story? Why didn't you save some of these ideas for other movies? I also, I'm sorry, I think Daniel Kaluuya's work in this movie is calamitous. I didn't know what, what? was going on with his character for most of the movie. And we is can... that his performance though? Uh, you know, that's an excellent point, Robin. I don't know. Yeah. Cause like he, I, I read a, a review that was like, Oh, he's really doing like a stoic Western man with no name kind of thing. And I just thought that he wasn't good at stuff mm. for most of the movie. Like there's a point where I realized like that I had no concept of whether or not the ranch was failing because he's, 
sucked as a horse trainer or not. Like, it just, I, and that's like a character thing that we should establish in like the first couple minutes. And I just didn't know. It was, sure. it was like, there's a difference between like the stoic cowboy who doesn't know how to work in society and doesn't say a lot and someone who's a socially maladjusted misfit, I guess is a nice way to put it. And I thought that he was misfit up until I guess like the last 30 minutes of the movie. And then I was like, oh, is he supposed to be like ultra competent? And that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, and that's just like what, what happened to me throughout all this movie. Like there are characters who are operating on a very kind of one-dimensionally kind of level, like the cinematographer in this movie, whose name is Antlers. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Right. He's freaking great. And Angel yeah, is funny. Yeah, Michael Wincott. Yeah. yeah, Michael Wincott is Antlers Holst. Is great. He is, he's got a thing that he's doing, and it's working. And Angel is is fun in his scenes as the Fry's technician who's helping them. I think Steven Ewan is bringing a lot to this that's awesome and I can't wait to talk about more about him. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and and Kiki Palmer is is fun and interesting to watch, but there was a point when I realized that like I wasn't positive that I fully understand where her and her brother were starting their relationship as the movie began and where mm-hmm. it was now. And and that's, you know, we'll talk more about it when I, we don't have to be so oblique, but like I don't know. I it, I don't know if like I just wasn't reading it correctly, if I was too on the outside. But character things like that, that kind of end up winding themselves around later on the narrative stakes, let alone the personal ones. Just like I said, the more I've thought about it since I saw it Friday night in the two days I've had with this, I just it keeps degrading, in my opinion. But I also can't deny like the craft, you know, like Mm -hmm. I would love to watch like the last 40 minutes of this movie again. Uh, There's a couple of scenes that I'd love to watch again, but like it's truly as hack as this is to say like not more than the sum of its parts and honestly sometimes i think that putting all the parts together actually makes them less than they would be separate Mm -hmm. do you think this this could have been trimmed up or do you think that the the flaws okay like i said i think that there are certain ideas in this film that could have been left for another movie Sure. It really does feel yeah. like there's possibly three different things happening in this movie and mm-hmm. you needed to choose like two of them at least. Yeah. Maybe one. Maybe one would have been good. Yeah. 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 I, I think I think he's a filmmaker though that is interested. I I heard him kind of compared to Shyamalan in that he has this interest in turning things on their head. And much of Shyamalan's movies, he's he's given a lot of gruff for this, but a lot of them depend on the twist, right? The twist is is where the film either elevates or falters, right? Um, and so it's not like once you know the twist, it's does the twist hold any kind of pull narratively that actually continues to like keep it raveled right or does it just completely unravel the narrative where you're like well that's clearly like a dosek machina right where you're just like i don't what where did this come from right um and i feel like peel is not necessarily like in that 
he he doesn't seem as beholden in that because it seems like so much of his filmmaking style is just so good around the margins around everything else that the twist is still a big part of like what he's pulling off but it's so enjoyable even even if you don't enjoy the twist, it's still hard to like you're saying, Brian, it's hard to just say no to him as a filmmaker because he's so good as a filmmaker. Whether you like the film or not, you still come away and you're like, this sequence was incredible. This sequence. Wow. How did he shoot that? You know, all of these things. And someone else was mentioning uh, on a podcast I was listening to about how every one of his films seems to have just incredible performances kind of at the center. Well, now you may not dis or agree about Kaluuya in this film, but I think there are some really good performances around this, but definitely Kaluuya in the first, you know, uh, in get out. And, you know, you think about Lupita Nyong'o in us and, you know, there are some incredible performances, whether you like the film or not. Um, so, that's certainly a sign of a good filmmaker. Now, whether he makes good films is kind of, you know, up for debate and kind of that's art. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting because it seems like he very much wanted this to have a twist, but also wanted like two or three other things in this film. And I feel like, yeah, he's he's someone that's got a lot on his brain. And sometimes that that gets in trouble, right? There was there was a lot going on in Get Out, but it all kind of wrapped up at the end, well, and it, was it all related to the same thing. And this, I correct. Feel like there's a lot of different things. I don't know, R Richard, as the person who yeah. is the most high on this movie, how do you feel listening to us right now? I don't know. For for me, like I I love the ambitious uh, nature of what he's doing. Like I think that. Like as much as I love Get Out, I actually like prefer Us and Nope to that film because I feel like if you're going to tackle a subject, like you might as well go all in on it. And I feel like he's putting like everything that he has to say kind of about this theme into this one film. Um and I, I, I wouldn't say that I think it's predicated on the on the twist. I think that, you know, it it slowly unravels uh you know to reveal certain information but i don't necessarily think it's a it's a twist that you know somehow changes everything that's come before it i think it's 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 adding context uh to it and i feel like you know along with the pop culture side like peel is also very interested in history and so i feel like you know what he is doing he's in, inviting us to kind of look at the way that history has kind of impacted you know the story being told now and so i feel like it's impossible to do that kind of by keeping focused on i think you know one central uh you know narrative i feel like you have to tackle a lot of different uh you know timelines or 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 ideas that are kind of all tied up uh in this theme for it to for it to work um but like I, I like the fact that like he makes movies that you know do feel like you have to to dissect them a little bit. They're not you know always immediately clear after you leave the after you leave the theater. Like I think that there is an amount of of work that an audience is being asked to to put into 
watching these movies, um, which I which I appreciate. Like I feel like I think that you know a, a lot of times audiences are very caught up in plot, um, and you know whether you know A meets B meets C meets D, mm-hmm. and I think that there is an emotional component to film that I think you know sometimes gets gets overshadowed in the conversations concerning concerning plot like i mean like just you know to, to use us as an example i know that you know there's a lot of discussion about you know how the the tethers kind of actually like operated and like lived underground and you know were able to procreate with like the same people like living above and like for me like that doesn't that doesn't matter like i'm not interested in that it's more so of like what you know, the fact that that is the way it's happened, what does that mean in terms of how it impacts these characters, but also the themes of the film? Uh, so that, that that's kind of how I thought about about Nope, too. Like, I'm, I'm less interested in, like, whether all of the, the plot, you know, threads connect neatly and more interested in, like, what they have to say, you know, overall in terms of the theme and, you know, how Peel is kind of talking about this idea of spectacle uh, and legacy and history. Yeah, I I feel that. Should we go ahead and since we got general thoughts and kind of feelings out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into spoilers so we can actually talk about it. Just because like we brought up the us thing, I would say that like my issue with us was related to the mechanics of it, but that's kind of because the movie really leans into them. Like if you just said like, a hole open in the earth and these guys came out and they happen to look like us and they're all wearing like that to me, I would have been like, cool works. But like, then you have them going down into these tunnels and you have the movie starting with like a title that talks about like how many tunnels there are under the United States. And like you show the classrooms and the rabbits and it's like, this isn't the movie saying, please don't think about the origin. Let's just focus on the story and the emotional impact This is the movie saying, like, there's a whole world down here. And to me, that's where, like, us stumbled, is that it it seemed to invite that that investigation. And I think that this movie doesn't do that so much, which is why I like this movie more than us. But there are still aspects of that where, and like I said, like, I think us, mainly just because it's like, there's a family. Um, and like, it's a clear mother and father and children. And like, so clearly they must love each other. That kind of thing. You helps you to ground them emotionally immediately. Whereas in this movie, you know, we get a six months earlier thing with a, a father and son. And then a whole thing happens there. And we never even see the daughter until we've jumped forward six months. And so I don't know. I like there's just a, an emotional component that seems like it's missing. Like there's a lacuna in there that I can't fill in and that I don't think the movie really helps us to fill in, which is why to me there's an emotional absence in there as well. But yeah, I am, I am ready to fully get into spoilers. Um, so let's do that. If you have not seen Nope, it's in theaters now. Go check it out. Uh, we're about to spoil it. Who would like to start uh, spoiling it? I want to <laughs> talk about oh, Gordy's okay. home. Oh, okay. Uh, I Robin, Robin you want to go? Uh, no, no, that that's fine. Uh, we can get into that later. I am. Okay. I definitely want to talk about that 
um, subplot, Bill. Gordy's home. Yes. The, so yes. we're talking about we're talking about the entirety of basically the the Jupiter character, then correct? Uh, you mean st- oh yeah, Jupe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I never shit. I never put that together. Ricky okay. Jupe yeah. Park Jupiter's claim. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, I mean, I, I think. I don't I don't know how often they refer to him as Jupe or Ricky or anything. They're just like creepy, you know, uh carnival owner guy. Oh, hey, he's uh, not that creepy. Uh, <laughs> he's he's creepy. He's fucking creepy. Um he's got trauma. but yeah, he's definitely got trauma. He did a fist bump with an ape after he had killed a bunch of people. Um Good potentially. spoiler section. I, yeah. Uh okay, so I, I think I think really what's going on here. Um, cause I've heard a lot of dissection of whether Gordy's home, this whole thing kind of ties into the film or not. And I feel like it pays off, but it doesn't. It, and that's obviously contradictory, but I feel like the payoff is that the idea here is we can't tame nature. Why are we trying to tame nature? And like, even like antlers, like whole cinematography thing where he's like I do one for me one for them one for me one for them and you see and like while he's like talking to them he's like looking at wildlife photography that I guess he did where like boa constrictors are attacking you know lions and all sorts of shit jaguars I don't know what what, what lives in a jungle a jaguar sure um, shit like that and you know there's a lot of like taming nature going on even even the horses right they're they're horse trainers and brian i I thought what you mentioned was kind of interesting whether you were unsure whether um you know oj is even good at his job i think he does not communicate well um i think he's relied on his sister and his his father to be those communicators and so he's never really had that opportunity or had that task um and so he's just wiltering in this one one situation. But I feel like he is a good horse trainer. It's just he was put in a bad situation where his main communicator wasn't around. And so now he's trying to handle like multiple things. Like that's why that horse kicks things like he told them very specifically, don't walk behind my horse. Don't like look into its eyes. Don't flash things into its eyes. And what did what happened on set someone came up behind the horse and someone took a little object and then like you know turned it around and it's got this reflection on it and so it's reflecting right back into the horse's eyes so the horse freaks out you know it's just like i told y'all not what like what not to do and everything happened right there so i feel like he's not a bad horse trainer he's a bad communicator to the humans around him um so but, but you no, could I, also I, argue that that's you could also argue that he's actually not good at his job if he cannot communicate basic safety to other people. Like you do have to have an element of charm to be able to make your business work, to be able to have people listen to you. So I'm not disagreeing with you, but I I want to clarify that there is an element to that that did make me wonder the same thing as brian even though i generally agree with you the other thing is it like you know this is you know if when people come into the distillery i think one of the reasons that they look at me and think of me as a knowledgeable person is that i speak with a certain degree of authority about what i'm doing 
And he sure. really seems like he's parroting lines that he's not even sure about. And he, you know, I know we find out that he helped his dad to train a horse for the Scorpion King. That that was, yeah, <laughs> which, 20, is, 20, which is hilarious. Yeah, like yeah. 20, 20 something years ago when he was a child still. But I mean, there's just, it just never, like all the horses they have that he's now selling to Jupe, it, it feels like he's selling them because he's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with these things. Like, it doesn't feel like he's got the 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 standard Hollywood mystical connection to his horses. You know, it doesn't. It feels like he got left a parking lot full of Hondas, and he's just like, I don't know how to fix these things. I don't know how to sell them. I don't know what's going on. And so that mm-hmm. was where I just I couldn't like nail down his character. I was like, this is a man. Who it it I almost couldn't tell you if he, like why he wanted to keep the homestead aside from like the inertia of it's always been in the family. Probably that. I, I, well, I think, think we're supposed I, to. I'm sorry, Richard. Go ahead. No, I, I I think that you know, it's not that he's bad at his job. Like I think that he just doesn't like having to perform in front of people because essentially that's what he's he's being asked to do he's being asked to perform in front of a crew and a director who doesn't respect him like from the moment that he gets there he's being disrespected and i feel like you know the fact that the he horse is, guy yeah and the, also the fact that he's like the sole like black guy there and he is being you know disrespected by everyone around him kind of treated you know as a joke but at the same time like you know these animals are not given respect either so i do think that he cares a lot about the animals about this job but it's like you go into a hollywood set and like they're not respecting your animals they're not respecting you they're essentially treating you you know on the same level as your animals so it's basically like yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna perform for you i'm not gonna tap dance for you and i think that that's what frustrates him about uh his sister emerald right she comes in and she's flashy and she's she's self-promoting and he feels like you know i shouldn't have to self-promote like we have been in this industry for decades and decades and you know the fact that we have you know so many so many you know white people in hollywood who are allowed a chance in through nepotism and are allowed to be successful. Like the director, the guy who plays the director is, is uh, Oz Perkins, Anthony Perkins son, which I feel like is also kind of a, an intentional, you know, nod to that. I mean, like, yes, he's a very talented director, but also like he got in because he is Anthony Perkins son. And so, you know, because they do have this lineage that goes back to, you know, the, the, the first jockey, the first movie star, as they say, in motion pictures like he feels like that they shouldn't have to keep performing to have to prove themselves to you know all of these white people who will consistently disrespect them and never see them as more than animal people yeah i think that's a really really good point Very i mean that's point. that's that's an interesting read i don't know that i like and if you took that from it then that's what the movie gave you i just didn't i didn't i didn't see any of that like his his Kaluuya's performance is one of uh, like there's no there's no anger there's no disappointment there's just a guy who seems lost. Well, how would you feel six Fucking months after furious. your dad died? Like, <laughs> like uh, you know, I don't know. Like I, and that's the thing is, but it's like, six months. It's not. It's not like it just happened. Right. So that's why he. But no, that's the thing is. So if your dad died, I. 
it's six months, so the shock, I'm sure, is still there. He's still sad about it. But, like, I'm not getting any of... I don't know... I just, it's it's an inscrutable performance to me. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to, like, properly enunciate. Like, everything that Richard just said is is great. But I can't read any of that from the performance that's happening. It It feels like you've taken someone who is so painfully shy that they can't even give their order at a McDonald's and thrust them in a position of responsibility and and the, that utter lack of any kind of confidence allows people to treat you like shit, like to, to walk over you. Because if you knew what you were talking about and if they were truly doing something dangerous, you would do something. And so the fact that he's not doing that makes him seem very bad at his job in, in a way that, again, I'm like, of course the horse ranch is dying. He's no good at this and he shouldn't be there. And I think he knows that. Well, I mean, but also look at like how Emerald is treated when she comes on, like she's treated the exact same way that he is, except for like the singular laugh. I mean, but they're both, you know, considered considered jokes to these people like they're they're still not taken yeah. seriously. The rules still aren't followed. So it's like, you know, if I'm watching my sister who is outgoing, you know, who is charismatic, you know, go through all of this to impress these people and they still treat her the same way. Like, why should I have to? perform for these people and i don't think that it's 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 a shyness necessarily because you see you know in his interactions with with angel you know or even with jupe like he is way more forthright i think in terms of what he wants you know i think that he does have a certain solemnness that we you know are supposed to associate with you know the cowboy or the farmhand like there is a certain western trope in there but i i do think that it comes down to the fact that you know, he doesn't feel like he should have to work to impress these people when, you know, they've been in this industry, you know, for so long. And it also, like, you know, it's 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 very clear that his dad was not, you know, respected either. You know, I feel like we get, you know, little little pieces of that throughout the film in terms of like them working to to train these horses for the Scorpion King and then last minute they decide to use camels. <laughs> or the fact the or the fact that like they're they're you know they have no money and like that's you know what we open with you know at the very beginning like they have no money. And so you know it's just like you've been working in this industry for decades. You have this you know, Hollywood lineage, but like at the same time, it doesn't matter because you can never, you know, rise up from the station. Well, see, that's because they're initially upset that it's OJ because they know Otis, o o you know, o, o, C o Senior, OS, <laughs> you know, they know Otis Haywood Senior. And they're like, where's the guy? Like, we know this. We know that guy. We like that guy. Where is he? And so it's it's like Daniel Clue is like failing to live up to his father. Which again, yeah, but you have to do, you have, do you have to question why they like the dad more? Like, probably is because it, he seemed like he knew what he was talking about. Like, maybe, but also I think it brings to the point that Richard was bringing up, which is maybe his father's success in the industry was related to the way he was willing to perform for folks and be like a. I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying pushover because we don't know. I'm I'm just reading into it. But like I I could see that element where it's like his father might have been seen as this consummate professional precisely because he probably was willing to bend in ways that maybe uh, OJ is not willing to bend. 
because right. and he, I mean, like, he saw so that OJ degrade his dad in some ways. Because he doesn't ever assert his will in a situation. Is he I mean, bending, I, though, or is he just unwilling to... I, I feel like he he tells them very clear instructions about how to treat the horse, and yeah. they they don't. Yeah. And as soon as they start crossing that line, he starts kind of raising his voice, and he's like, "Hey, hey, hey! Y'all are not listening to me, right?" He he tells them to back off. He tells them, "Hey, quit flashing the lights," and still they keep moving in. And so I feel like you know, I, I do think we need to probably move on. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't feel like he's, he's a pushover. I feel like he's just not handling the situation. He's just a um, guy who happens to get in, pushed over. Like that's, that's the problem though, is that. I, I mean, I, like, Brian, if, if you tell people to do something and then they don't do it, that doesn't mean that you're a pushover. That means they're dumb and don't realize that this 5,000 pound horse is going to kick them in the face. Like, I'm sorry. So, you know, it, hey, y'all want to like get kicked by a horse? Comes in, everyone <laughs> shuts up. They listen to her safety briefing, which seems to involve no actual information. And then sure. he, he is looking for her to help him to communicate with these people while she's talking to someone over at craft services. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, I don't know. It doesn't matter. We can move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Gordy's home. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm still a little lost in how this particular kind of thing is supposed to supposed to wind itself into this film i'd love it i love this side story i love this whole idea i love that he's like creepy enough to allow people to like sleep in it overnight for 50k like i just i love so much about this i love steven yoon's performance um I, I really enjoyed that sequence it was scary as hell but i don't know what it's doing in this film because Jupe doesn't seem to like take anything from that. I don't think like you would think that he would be the first person to say, Hey, maybe we shouldn't fuck with nature. Right. And maybe I shouldn't sacrifice these horses in front of 40 strangers. And then it goes haywire and it's like, well, yeah, dude, you literally are like the representation of that shit going haywire and you survived that. And now you're doing it to other people. I mean, I, I don't know if that's trauma repeating itself or what, but I, I just, I feel like it's giving us one thing and then like handing us another thing. And I'm just like, wait, what? I, I thought this was going to be a pretty clear, like he should be the one saying quit fucking with this thing and, you know, let's get the government or whatever. Right. Like, you think he'd you know, be the guy who's like on the outside screaming, like, you don't know what you're dealing with. The primal forces of nature can't be contained. Yeah. So like, is this the twist that you were alluding to when you were talking in the non, in the non-spoiler section? Because I wasn't actually sure what you meant by twist. I think the, the twist would be the general concept that it's not a UFO, that it's a sky Correct. stingray that also turns yeah. into a sky jellyfish. Uh, yeah. Okay, because I thought the twist was that Stephen Yun's character was aware of this thing and been sacrificing to it for several 
months. Is he though? Like, I feel like that would gather a lot more attention. That's what I, feel, I thought, and I didn't I, think it I, made I, sense plot-wise. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is the first time he's actually done it with an audience, right? It, I I believe. This why is the does first he need time. all these horses? I think he's been feeding the thing. I just mm-hmm. don't think that he's ever had an audience before. Okay, Correct. that makes more sense because I was like. It makes no sense that he's been doing this for months and nobody knew. Like, right, and like yeah, somehow yeah. there's still only a crowd of like 14 people. Exactly. And why that day? Like, it was a Friday. I don't know. It's you know. <laughs> he finally. Was it like, got hungry. It got hungry early. I mean, I mean, do you eat it at the same time every single day, Robin? Basically, I mean, Richard, I what? Yeah, but Richard, what do you think so. about this whole thing? I like. Yeah, you know, I, I think that. You know, when when we look at what happened with the the Gordy situation, like it's very much drawing a parallel between Gordy and Jupe, right? They're both they're both used as 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 spectacle. And I, I talked about this in the piece that I wrote for for THR, but like the show that he's on, like we've seen those kind of shows before, and we know that like you have the adopted minority kid, and then you have like the funny animal, and they're basically on the same level. They're used as jokes to set up the other characters. And even in the little clip from from Gordy's birthday that we see, right, we see Jupe take out his present, and then you oh, know, his yeah. sister comes in with a much bigger present, and the audience laughs. And so I feel like you know we are Peel is drawing a parallel between you know Jupe. And Gordy, but I think that, you know, I I think that Jupe has been unable to kind of use use the fact that he was used as a spectacle, you know, as a child, that he was a successful child actor and able to, like, transfer that into a kind of career. Like, I feel like it's very similar to, like, the Haywoods and it's a commentary on how, you know, Hollywood often treats minorities. I mean, like, I think there's a very clear parallel between uh, um, Jupe and, uh, you know, the uh, short round from um, uh, the Indiana Jones movie. And even the Kid Sheriff poster has like the same kind of font as Indiana Jones. And right. And you think about, um, you know, how, how Quan was saying that he didn't act you know, for years because he didn't think that there was a place for him. And, you know, he just came back this year uh, and everything everywhere all at once and he's brilliant in it. And so I think that, you know, it, it's the idea that I I had this successful career as a kid, but like it doesn't, it doesn't amount to anything. And so here I am, you know, running this like shitty Western theme park, essentially trying to like capitalize on, on my past and I do think that he, I do think that he realizes that what he's doing is the same kind of predicament that he's put Gordy in. But then it's, it's also the question of like, well, when you're treated as a, as a spectacle, you know, how do you rise above that? Like, how do you, how are you able to earn respect in an industry and also earn a legacy by treating something else as spectacle? So it's kind of this, you know, monkey's paw situation mm-hmm. uh, ironically hey, that's or not. the name of the production company <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes so yeah that that's what i think that that that's happening there you know i think that jupe is aware of the situation i mean right before he does the big presentation we see that full flashback of what happened on gordy's home but i think you know i think that we are supposed to feel bad for him like the fact that 
you know, this did, this was on the cover of Mad Magazine. This was an SNL skit and that people are, you know, they're obsessed with, with other people's trauma and tragedy. It becomes their entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, like that, that would happen though. Like, I, I don't know. Was, I mean, was the nineties really that fucked up? Like, I mean, have... SNL did a, did a skit on heaven's gate, like the week after the, the mass suicide. Mm. So I feel like they would. I just uh, like, so it, it does they're... capture a certain aesthetic because the nineties were full of animal kid misfit movies and particularly monkey movies. Yeah, there was yeah. Justin mm-hmm. Jackson. There was that one. Greatest film of all time. Wasn't there one where like, what was the, was it? It's like, it's got a stupid like human name. And it's like the, one of the guys from friends is like the manager of a baseball team where there's a monkey that pitches. Oh, I, I remember, I remember. Yeah. Seeing a monkey in a, uh, in a baseball uniform it's called like bill or like david or something <laughs> it's I swear awesome to God. there was buddy and there was also uh well there was Joe the one Young. there was the one about the training of the monkeys for the for the astronaut thing right what? there oh, was God. that one you don't remember that okay, one i yeah. found it no. it's called it's called ed Oh, oh Jesus! A, a train. Were like twenty movies called Ed in the nineties? There was like Ed. I mean, there, was there was Ed, Ed TV. TV. There, wasn't there a TV show called Ed? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but that was not a TV version of the movie wherein a trained chimpanzee plays third base for a minor league baseball team. I don't even yeah. know. But about yeah, this the, the 90s, 90s definitely business. had. Yeah, the nineties had a lot of these. There oh, was a uh, Congo. <laughs> So one thing that I did not appreciate about this uh, sequence is that even though it's obviously showing showcasing something incredibly horrific and completely frightening, it also is a little bit funny. Like I, I don't like the comic undertones of that, of that continued sequence of where we see this trauma happen to Gordy uh, or his character, and I was thinking why I did not like that. And I think I remember, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, there was a there was an incident that happened where a woman's face was ripped off by her pet chimpanzee. And it was yep. incredibly just heartbreaking, like everything, you know, that you could read about it. And I think the woman did end up getting some kind of facial reconstruction surgery or a face transplant or something like that. And I think the movie kind of references it because at some point you do see uh, the actress that, that Stephen Young's character had worked with, who had been um, mauled, mauled. Thank you. I can't think of the word mauled by this, this chimpanzee. And you see her in obviously lots of, of uh, prosthetic, you know, with the scars of that, horrific incident and that it was very similar to this real life woman's you know facial features and i think the movie is exploitative of that particular incident and also makes it a little bit comical by just having by just seeing these things like i remember my screenwriting professor many years ago when i was in college was saying that like one of the reasons you should not show an amputated leg on camera or like an amputated uh, limb on camera is because unfortunately 
it's a little bit funny to see just like a limb just you mean like you know the not someone who is missing a leg but to show like the leg separate from the body the leg itself yes right because there's something inherently comic premise is like you're digging through like a crate and you're like pulling out like a slinky and a yo-yo and oh here's a leg and you're just like oh that's right so even though it's like ultimately you know horrifying to see an unattached limb it's also a little bit funny so it really undermines the the terror that you're trying to show on screen and i think seeing the gordy sequence is what happened for me where it, it was just a little too comically tinged for it to work and i think it also exploits that real life incident by showing too much of the spatial features to for shock value yeah it was um i don't i you know in the, the trailer of this movie has a shot of the woman with the face mm-hmm. looking up looking up with the and like in the trailer it's used because I think they're like, oh, here's like a striking uncanny image. Yes. Which I was looking forward to seeing how he would delve into whoever that was. Because you don't, forgive this, you don't cast a person like that or put a person who looks like that in your movie as part of an establishing shot to not comment on it. Are we sure that that, maybe I was incorrect when I said it was prosthetics. Is that a real I have woman? no idea. What knows? I'm okay. saying is yeah. even if it is prosthetics, you don't say who we should have in the background of this is someone who looks as though their face has been ripped off. And I was looking forward to learning more about her (laughs) and seeing what part she had to play, especially as like the concept that this thing was a monster, not a monster, but like an animal came in, but we never get that. She's eaten immediately. (laughs) So she doesn't ever become more than just, creepy uncanny set dressing yes which feels wrong it Um, feels exploitative especially after after he had like again steven ewan is like the mvp of this movie for me because just in the way that he looks at things just in the way that he he talks about things he he sells so much that you don't even need the flashbacks like the Mm -hmm. way that he is able to beat by beat walk you through this supposed SNL sketch, which again, I just think that heaven's gate. You're like, it's a bunch of loony cult people. They killed themselves. That is a huge leap from an animal went crazy and murdered possibly three people or like only two, but horrifically maimed someone else. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if anybody died. Really? I think that the, cause the, the, I mean, the 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 it, girl the 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 young girl has her face destroyed but i the woman on the floor is the mom isn't it i i don't know i thought it was the That's girl the girl okay but then the yeah. dad gets fucking ripped apart but again like i thought that girl's definitely dead the the woman that the chimp was mainly focusing on i was for sure like that right, woman is dead that's why i thought that was the mom because i'm like there's no way that whoever no but i i think i think it's survived i think it's that little shoe right that shoe like which big, also but i don't know anything about shoes like, wow well, I, 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 I i thought it was a fairly small shoe I, um if i had been paying more attention to the, the garments that the characters are wearing maybe i would know but like you know we we don't mm-hmm. see thank god honestly we don't see the face of the person as they're getting attacked by the chimp um yeah so yeah so like i don't know i thought i thought 
literally he was the only survivor of that scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But like this is well, a sort of I mean, the, the, the girl was there. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. Well, um, obviously she, so I was like, oh, she survived and she's there. And like maybe this whole situation is going to go bad. Like maybe he's going to do the horse and the thing's going to suck up the horse. And afterwards, she's going to be like, look at my face and tell me that you think this is a good idea. And then mm-hmm. like he's going to join the the brigade of people who are not trying to stop this thing, but just trying to get a picture of it. Yeah, I mean, the footage thing, I feel like makes sense, but also is like, how do you how do you leverage that into into making actual money? Like, I get it right. Like, get a good actual shot on especially on like, you know, uh, homie antlers, uh, a custom (laughs) IMAX rig. Like, I remember one one reviewer, one reviewer was like, oh, yeah, it's just like an old timey camera that he rigged up is like, fuck, no, that's not an old timey camera. That's an he's got it's an IMAX camera. Then he's also got his IMAX camera. Yeah, he's basically like, got a Thompson machine gun and like a BAR slash like nest mounted machine gun. Like that, those are his weapons. It's nuts. It's yeah. crazy. I love every second of it. So can we go back to the point? Because we've obviously debated the whole Gordy sequence. And there's a lot to talk about in that sequence. But I also kind of still want to know. I didn't find it funny, by the way. I was. I, I didn't find it time. funny. <laughs> I didn't find it funny. But I'm saying like, I think there was an. There is an intentional comicality about it. I don't know if that's a word. I don't know. There's like an uncanniness to it because, I mean, he. Like, you're supposed to be like, ha ha, look at that fucking bloody ass chimp. I don't think so. Oh, no. I really don't think so. Robin, no. Did you think it was funny? I didn't think it was funny. I was was scared shitless of that. I actually felt kind of sick. Like, my stomach was disturbing as fuck. And especially that, like, we get more, more, sh- like, that, that initial image, that opening shot, when that chimp looks straight into the camera, I was just like, oh, fuck this movie. Like, <laughs> I, I just wanted to be like, nope. Right. I, you know, like, correct, <laughs> Bill. That's, that's the name of the movie. Yeah. So, while I'm thinking about it, I like the fact that I'm looking at this movie and I'm like, you know, get out. Uh, you know, we know where that title came from. Us, we know where that title came from. I was like, nope. Is it just going to be because, like, when you are confronted with a situation like this, you say nope? Yes. I like, I like the fact. I think I heard this right. That yes, he asks her, "What is there? Like, what's the word for a bad miracle? Is there a word for that?" And she says, "Nope." And what she's saying mm-hmm. is, "No, there's not a word for that." But what we are now seeing is that the movie is titled after the bad miracle because that's what she responded to him as. And I think well, I, I thought it was. And I just wanted I, I, to point that out. I also thought it's a it's a catchphrase inside Gordy's home. I'm pretty I sure I've I heard I heard like a couple of characters, at least one, saying like "nope," <laughs> and like the whole audience going, you know, applause. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right, actually. But I think uh, let's go back to the purpose of this. Let's go back to Jordan show. thinks that. Or Jordan, <laughs> that Robin thinks that blood-drenched apes are hilarious. I don't think it's funny. I I personally don't think it's funny, but I think, it, like you said, the uncanniness, it it it's just ridiculous. It's such a ridiculous I don't, image. Uh, it's here's the thing. I'm not. If, my whole point is not to talk about the funniness or not. Okay. That is that is irrelevant. My question is, 
how does this tie in? Like, what is the purpose of this? What, well, what was the, that's the question. And that's what I'm asking the rest of you. Like, do you oh, think there know. is room in this movie for this random shock uh, sequence? Uh, and no. the again, I, I, I think, I think it was, I think it was my point was, I feel like there is a way to weave this in and that's for his character to not do the exact same thing that happened to him that happened to that chimp right and i feel like it Which twists character? that thematically Jeep. thematically what what would make sense is that oj should be like oh this is an animal the way to save my dad's horse farm is to tame this thing and you know make money selling it to hollywood or whatever and jupe should come in the dude who fucking noped out of Hollywood after his his chimp ordeal and set up a kind, gentle family fun park. And he should come in and say, I know you think you can control things because you mm-hmm. have horses. I Let me tell you the harrowing story from my life that proves that you can't. Yeah. It is, it is strange that Jupe has decided to to do what he does to me. It's and, I, and that is my essential concern, or not concern, but my essential issue that I had with this movie is it's so great at the at the visuals, at the at the fear, you know, what it conjures in me. But I did not buy that these two characters experience this. And the first thing they want to do is like capture it on video because frankly, what does that mean in 2022 when anybody could say that's a deep fake like what does sure. it mean to see this on video in this I, day I think, and age you would think uh, it's cgi well, so the other, i, the I other think problem I, is, I, i'm sorry go ahead bill I think that's very much complicated by our own reality, right? And and this film very much lives in a world where uh OJ has a flip phone, right? That no, apparently but he has also a flip phone because he chooses to have a dumb phone. This is very much set in this current day and age. I, I get that. But what I'm saying is I don't think this film wants to necessarily say like, oh, if we get great footage of this thing, then it can, you know, people can just be like, well, that's just deep fake. I think this film is basically like, let's pretend that that's not a thing. Right. Well, that's an issue then. Why? Because that's because, because you're movies, a movie that movies- grounds itself in the current reality, which it very much does with all of its pop culture references and all of its like, uh, you know, modern day lingo, like it very much says this is happening now. Well, then to ignore the reality of the of the digital culture we live in is just like it's it's a it's it it's so, a cheat. So to that end, I mean, like that when when antlers 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 holst comes in. <laughs> it feels ridiculous. To say I, I've it. never seen this movie, so I don't know what these references are are pointing to. What movie? What? Wait. Robin? Ne- ne- never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Go ahead. You don't know. You've never seen this movie. Never mind. Never mind. No, I've seen Nope. I thought you were talking about something else. Never mind. Oh, okay. No, Antlers Holst is in Nope, the movie that you have seen. Um, when he comes in, he's got a film camera, so I could I could see him being like, look. We're going to have the negatives. I am a cinema. I'm a world-class cinematographer, but even I can't, you know, on a crank IMAX film using like 70 year old film stock, fake this. Like people will believe because of the medium. 
Which you could then turn into like a whole statement about digital versus celluloid and whatever. I think. Or how about most people aren't media literate in any way? Well, you know, the 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 hope would be that you'd bring it to I don't know some dude who's like you know gonna be like, hi, I'm the modern equivalent of uh, Walter Cronkite, and everyone trusts me, and I'm telling you that this is real. We don't have that anymore. It doesn't exist in 2022. (laughs) But I mean, like, and that's the thing is uh, that's kind of the the issue is that. I don't like their plan seems to be missing a and then right like the like sure. there should be like, they want to get gonna, on Oprah we, yeah, yeah we're gonna get the Oprah shot we're gonna get a lot of money and then we're and gonna turn what is our Oprah home, in 2022 and then we're gonna and then we're gonna you know turn our home into like you know a, a, a sightseeing attraction where we'll <laughs> show this thing off to people which again then Jupe should come in and be like holy fucking shit dude no like nope don't do that but it's it is weird and the fact that like again they they sort of they accidentally kill it <laughs> but that's not their plan that's never their plan their plan is never like we're going to get pictures of it also we got to stop this thing their plan yeah, is no, they, only ever yep. even after it's eaten 40 people their plan is only ever to get the picture still like there's never a point where they're like look we need to pivot <laughs> We need to pivot. Well, away from I, I feel like I feel like that's 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 important to you know what we do in the real world with with tragic events. I mean, like there's always someone filming. I mean, like we have you know just the mass shooting like a, a couple of weeks ago at the the Fourth of July thing in, in Illinois. There are people you know trying to get footage of it, despite the fact that these these fatalities are happening. Like I feel like it's very much like a commentary on you know, our, our obsession with creating, creating spectacle, like using conflating tragedy and entertainment. And I feel like that that's exactly, you know, what they're doing because that is the, you know, in vogue thing to do. But I don't feel like the, if, and I, and I could understand that and I could see that, but I don't feel like the, the language of the movie is, is positing this as like a shallow endeavor. You know, like the, it, it feels like if that's uh-huh. the case, like the, it's not positing what they're doing as a shallow endeavor. I, I don't I don't understand why. Oh, you mean that it's not the, that the, is the, I mean, it's literally just for views, Brian. Right. Like it, it's it's literally to make money. So yeah. I don't know how much more shallow it can get than that. But but that's what I'm saying. It is it is a shallow endeavor. The movie is not treating it like a shallow endeavor like the movie wants us to root huh? well because it's also it's also i feel like it's also about legacy like these are people yeah. who have had their legacy stripped away from them so how do you reclaim that by chasing fame you know even if it is a shallow means of doing that because how else are they gonna you know rise up to right. to, to get only- noticed only Kiki Palmer's character seems to care about that. Like, you know, OJ doesn't seem to to have a desire for that kind of fame. So, like, if they were coming at odds, I feel like that would mean more. But, like, they never, they never, they never have a moment where he's like, okay, people have died. It's time to pivot. And she's like, no, this is what's important is getting the shot, is, is getting the clicks. You know, we're going to, our sounds are going to go trending on TikTok. Like... It's it just it. 
they they have the idea to take a picture of it and then the next two hours of them still trying to get a picture of it and then it dies and that's great but that was just happenstance and like the 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 brilliant thing that happens is that she's able to get a picture of it through the uh the well cam but also, also they like still, they still got the pictures on the IMAX camera yeah, I, th- I think Antler's like thing is he didn't like the lighting. Like he's he's a cinematographer, right? And and right. he's written as kind of a cliche, so he didn't like the lighting of the shot that they got. So he is like, "Fuck it, this is my endpoint. I'm gonna get the most incredible thing on film ever." And this, you know, he, he mentions at some point, like you, you will always be tracing the impossible shot or something like that. And it's like, so this guy is just, he's just a maniac. And so he's willing to sacrifice himself to get this incredible shot, which of course, I don't know if they ultimately end up getting because he sacrifices himself and the film camera goes with it. So I'm just like, okay. The other film camera was still on the ground. Correct. Correct. Yes. It should be okay. For her to get the other shot. Sure. But it's, it's also, transformed at that point right and so they're getting a second shot right it's now in its natural habit or form versus the ufo the which also by the way when i first saw it and got a a couple of second glimpses and obviously that goes against first seeing it but when i first saw it i was like that kind of looks like a cowboy hat and then the more (laughs) i saw it i was like that looks like a fucking cowboy hat are they doing this on purpose i was just like what the fuck is going on in this movie um but yeah no i i think i think that second shot is is a it's not like irrefutable, like Robin's saying, right? It's not irrefutable proof. It's just she got the shot, right? And she's she's always been obsessed with getting the shot, and now she got the shot, right? She was supposed to be in the background not doing anything, right? She is the one that was always trying. She was the one that was supposed to train the horse, right? And got fucked over by her own father. And so nobody trusts her to do the thing, right? And now she, A, she killed the damn thing, and B, she also got the shot of it, right? And so it's kind of like a a, a little bit of a hoorah for her, right? It's like, I, I killed it, and I got the shot of the fucking thing. Like, I'm the champion, right? I, I feel like that's that sequence. Um now everything else I agree with, right? Like I don't know what the fuck, and and I I get that you're like okay, but what's the second step after they get onto Oprah after they you know reveal this footage, whatever? I get that, like I totally understand you you asking that question, but also I don't have to have these people to have like a a five-stage plan, right? Like they're not going to a bank looking for a loan. They're just like, fuck it. What are we going to do about this creature that nobody's going to believe is on our farm, right? That keeps eating horses and 
fuck it. Like, let's make money off of it. Let's get good footage of it. Then maybe people will believe us. And then maybe we can actually get some government assistance or whatever, or turn it into a fucking amusement park. I don't know, but I don't, I don't necessarily fault the film for writing characters that do not have a step after let's do this bonkers thing let's actually like work out a plan to get a good shot of this thing but also like is this actually going to go anywhere like nobody's asking that question of the four of them right everybody's just like fuck it let's do it right so I don't know. I mean, I, I I feel like poor Fry's employee is probably just like, if I die, I die. Whatever. Like He's my girlfriend alive, broke right? up with me. Uh, yeah, yeah. It seems like it. Do we? Have Although I, I, uh, oh yeah, yeah. No, Wait. he he like he like rolls around. You see him afterwards. Although God, God help me. Um, he got sucked up into a whirlwind with barbed wire. All of, protected. Yeah, I was just like, was yeah. I was like, like get. Get shredded. Cartoon, cartoon style, yeah. Like, get shredded like yeah. a piece of cheese. Getting cut by a cheese wire. It, especially, like, I, I understood, like, when he was just, like, wrapped around it. And it was like, oh, he's, like, unraveling it. And then he gets, you know, or he gets dropped or whatever. But for it to then suck up him and then, like, chains of, like, you know, you hear it, like... Yeah, like there's a there's probably, I don't know, 100 yards of extra barbed wire also around him while he's like swirling around and then still gets dropped and is still relatively OK. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I maybe maybe they didn't have the budget for it. <laughs> they couldn't get the shot. I don't know. Richard, you've been, you've been, I feel like you've been, you've been not holding out on us, but you've been, you've been biding your time. Um, You've been probably digesting a lot of what we're saying. Um, I don't necessarily think that you are the most positive. I think I'm pretty positive on this as well, but I still think that I have some issues and it sounded like either you've worked through those issues or you were more of, let me just ride with this kind of thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't necessarily know that I, that I had issues uh, with it because I, I mean, I, I do feel like, <clears throat> Just like for for me, like in terms of uh, uh, of my you know perspective of looking at this film, like I feel like you know it, it's also you know working as a as a social commentary, like beyond just like what we see you know in the film. And so I think the fact that we do have you know two black characters and one like Latino character who are trying to get you know this footage and kind of like claim their fame in that way like i feel like that's like a very like realistic you know kind of kind of motivation but like in terms of like you know the the next step of what happens next like i don't necessarily think that the film is suggesting that like they do get to go on oprah that like everything is Mm -hmm. like uh, a happy and like i feel like peel consistently gives us like with with both get out and us and nope these endings that seem triumphant but like are really not like if you think about you know where does this go and i think like if you go back to you know the 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 story of of their of their great 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 grandfather you know he 
made this significant contribution to film and is ultimately erased from it. And I think that, you know, we can surmise that the same thing happens here, right? They are doing this because they want to, you know, basically cement their place in this world. But I think we also know that for minorities, that so rarely happens. Like these things get get stolen and, you know, people get used and then eventually they're they're forgotten. Uh, and I feel like, you know, that is kind of the lingering thing that we that we have at the end of this film. Um, you know, it, it's not as triumphant uh, as it seems because, you know, uh, these people, I think that, you know, we might see them, you know, get the spotlight for a little bit, like become spectacle in the same way that, you know, we saw Jupe use a spectacle when he was a kid and Gordy use mm-hmm. a spectacle but like ultimately, like it doesn't work out for 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 any of them. Like they 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 both, you know, die, you know, horribly and probably like for the most part, you know, forgotten or become like this kind of like oddity and like a you know a weird like theme park amusement. And so I feel like all of that is kind of like circling around what Peel is doing uh, in this last act and in terms of them getting the footage yeah I, I i i i'm i'm interested because i've i've heard some people also like question whether uh kaluya's character is even alive right what? he's kind of seen in this what? in this God yeah i hate modern film watching people <laughs> well i mean it's like think, alive <laughs> Think about why he like why he should be alive and why he shouldn't be alive. There are a thousand reasons why he shouldn't be alive, that that creature should have ultimately killed him. Right. Like the idea that you have to stare at this creature for it to basically like kill you. Right. I don't understand what that's about. Um like I, I definitely understand. Like that's a predator thing where you make eye contact it's with not something. A predator thing, and it, predators pounce on things that aren't paying attention to them. Predators don't want to have to work I, I, that hard. Like this is a dominance thing, which if you want to put it okay. that way, is fine. But like, I th- and I think he does put it that way because you know. But like at the same time, if it's hungry, it's not going to care if you're looking at it or not. It's going to fucking eat you. Uh, apparently not because it didn't it didn't ever eat him right and that's that's his that's his uh you know assumption right that he's put forth which is broken because they both end up looking at it when it's in its jellyfish form like they stare directly at that thing right yes so why is he still alive it certainly chases her because right? he started chasing her because he had the flags on his horse because maybe he started running away and he was able to get away because it didn't seem like it was that effective as a hunter in its jellyfish form. No, it didn't. Yeah, it was. It, like, it went from having this like super cool vortex thing that could suck up 40 people in an instant to having this like rotating box thing that didn't yeah. seem to do anything. That that Robin is my issue. Once it transforms, I was like, "What the fuck is going on in this movie?" It looks like and the it, jellyfish thing. Yeah, the jellyfish. Yeah, thing, it, it looks. It looks cool, but its eff- efficacy as a predator is greatly diminished. Yeah, and and I thought like 
I was still down with it looking UFO ish and just being like some kind of hovering like manta ray kind of thing that had, I guess, the ability to not only turn off electronics, but also create like a a vortex underneath it. But I was like, okay, I'm, I'm like still down with this. Like the, you know, I've, I've seen Cloverfield. I can, I can get with crazy creatures. Like I'm fine. And so, yeah, like I was like, oh shit, this is cool that, you know, the, the first twist is that it's actually a creature, right. And not like a UFO. The Mm -hmm. second twist is that not only is it a creature, but it's also not, been showing you its actual form or maybe i don't know if that case is like a twist i think that's more of a reveal i don't know yeah yeah sure but 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 things definitely change once it turns into that right because otherwise (laughs) to kill yeah otherwise it, it, it it's like okay devour you devour you right and it doesn't do that and so it's like oh hmm What's going on here? You know, and I feel like that kind of changes things that changes the nature of how this creature acts. This changes the nature of its dominance or, you know, it's, you know, level as an apex predator. Right. And it's like, okay, now, now is it like, has it downgraded itself? And so it just becomes like another bunch of questions that you're just like, Oh, what the fuck is going on? And so I, I, I feel like it's a, it's a second twist. That's how I feel because it, gotcha. it definitely changes how you react know. to that creature. And yeah, I don't know. it's like if you're saying like if in the second act of a movie, a guy pulls a gun out, that's a twist. Like, sure. He's more, the situation has changed. I don't know if that's exactly a twist just because the danger has evolved. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 as, as much as I like the fact that the, the, like, it's a creature and that's cool. And I like that, like it's sky jaws, you know? Um, yeah. I, yeah, definitely the part, that, that, the part that, that third sequence. Most, yeah. The part that scared me the most was when he was in the horse training barn and the kids were there in the costumes. Like, <laughs> yeah definitely a signs kind of kind of riff a little bit that was the with, mo- I was, you know the I footage was the edge of my seat i was so fucking scared and then like it's kids and i was like oh man well if that's what they did for the fake out scare the real one's gonna be slightly underwhelming <laughs> i don't know i was never but like i was okay with that i was never really afraid of the sky creature but i was entranced by it like i thought that it was really cool and it was a good setup for a lot of different things you know the sky dancer dudes you know falling was a really cool way to like you know give an area of effect vision the fact that it like sits in that cloud is just super awesome like there's a lot there there's a lot that i like i just again like it just never felt like it it cohered in that way and like i feel like i could i could make a bunch of readings but it doesn't feel like the movie you know, was really working in those, in those directions for me. I think that like the, the final form that it takes, like it is supposed to remind us of a, of a balloon, right. Mm -hmm. Which is the invitation to a spectacle. Like you see balloons and it's, you know, the idea that there is something happening, but then it's also going back to, you know, the Gordy show incident where it's the balloons hitting the lights, Mm -hmm. you know, popping that, that sets him off. Yeah, but um, in this case, the pop kills the creature. <laughs> you know, the the pop is a very contextual. 
I definitely understand balloon creature. I definitely understand what Richard's saying, though. There's there's a, there's a lot of layers to this thing. There's right? a lot of layers to it, and like, but I just I still can't shake the feeling that like a lot of it's like yeah, the, like it's it's a cool synchronicity. It just doesn't feel like it it connects as snugly as I'd like it to. What is the it? All of well, it is another movie where there's menacing balloons. So first of all, think about that for a mm-hmm. second. Uh, the, the it that I was talking about is almost literally every aspect of this movie, Mm. you know, like, you know, Oh, the balloons pop and Gordy is activated. Right. And then he's shot by someone when he's like about to give a fist bump to the other person who we're saying was uh, exploited by this TV show. Um, but you know, now this other balloon pops and it's jupe popping, but it killed the alien. And like, we can probably read stuff into that, but like, it just doesn't feel, it feels like. You were invited to do that. But I just wish that I could feel more intentionality behind it. And I feel like the movie's a little too baggy, a little too too shaggy mm-hmm. and loose for that. Like, you know, again, just like what we were saying earlier, just the way that Jupe's character shouldn't be doing what he's doing. And it's not really sold as this man has learned nothing it's kind of sold as like, I don't know this, he's doing it. Like, you know, he thinks he has control. Maybe, I don't know. Like the, 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 the performance that Steven Ewan is giving is not conducive to someone who's then like, fuck it. We're going to do this. This is going to be awesome. Like I'm going to (laughs) have concerns about it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like it just, it just never felt like that didn't feel like real. And his wife wasn't like lady Macbeth enough to, Make me think that it was her idea. Well, she wasn't anything. Yeah, I, I, I liked. I liked that he. Nice. I don't know. I, I like that he, as as the sequence is going on, as this thing is happening, he's like, "Ladies and gentlemen, please, no cell phone photography." And it's like, dude, you didn't collect cell phones before. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? You know. And again, Robin, that kind of goes back to like your your like issue with like what about deep fakes and i'm like well like there's a lot going on here (laughs) there's a lot of issues you know so yeah i don't know i feel like he should have built a bigger bandstand because if those people went out and were like you're never gonna believe what i saw actual goddamn alien like like if if teenagers going to the movies in suits nearly destroyed a nation (laughs) what would happen when people found out there was a legitimate uap that was sucking up horses and oh don't desert. don't you start that don't don't start referring it to them as you are so God lucky that i haven't been talking about nothing but uaps and ufos and aliens this entire time i just want you to call them ufos please they're uaps, <laughs> they're UAPs. Oh, Jesus. oh no so not you too so oh, yes no. there is a ufo and a uap are very distinct all right, tell us more. Come on, reveal. Be Reddit. Well, it's it's an unidentified aerial phenomena. So anything that's in the sky that may not be an object, but that may appear to be like a disturbance or something like that could be considered, considered a UAP. An okay, so the aurora... The Aurora Borealis would be a UAP, right? If we didn't know what that right. was. It's not it is, an aerial phenomenon. Is it is. It's a, it's a phenomena in the air. Mm. 
It's lights in the air. What are we talking about, Robin? I would say that the cloud that the thing hides out in would be a UAP. The thing itself would be a UFO. It is an unidentified. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You you know what? That is interesting that they they don't ever touch on what the cloud is. That's creepy as fuck. The thing can shut down electronics. I'm sure it can squid ink up a fucking cloud. (laughs) I I mean, it it's very clearly some kind of sea inspired See, by a sea th- creature th- th- that's that's also like the question is this an extraterrestrial or is this something from you know is this a a backdoor pilot for a new godzilla movie right like mm-hmm. you know is is this know, another mothra godzilla and kong are gonna have to team up against cloverfield monster and <laughs> and whatever we call this thing jean jacket right yeah, Jean Jacket. Why are they calling it uh, Jean Jacket? Is it because the sister's getting a chance to tame it? Or is it because he fucking hates that horse? Uh, Good question. I, I wasn't like, sure. I, I, I thought, I like I thought he, ate Jean 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 Jacket. Jacket. he ate Jean Jacket. I thought he Jean ate Jean Jacket. Yeah. Oh, you mean Didn't the he? creature in the sky ate Jean Jacket? <laughs> 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 I think OJ ate him. I was like, whoa. No. 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 Yeah, I, see, I, I, I thought... I thought no, isn't... I does he not Here's lose thing, a single Bill. horse? Jean, Jean Jacket was trained 20 years ago. That horse is dead. <laughs> oh, That's, yeah. I'm I assuming know. that horse is dead. Um, yeah. It's her, re- it's her redemption arc. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If she had anything to redeem, which it's not clear. It's not clear if she's like anything. Like, character. we don't know anything. Yeah. Like, right. We know that she's. Possibly a lesbian, maybe bisexual, maybe pansexual. I don't know. Um, we know that she's uh, on the grind constantly. She's got a lot of hustles. She considers this to be her side hustle. But also doesn't really have a stable place to live and seems to be a bit of a of a, a womanizer, if you would call it. Yes. A bit of a mooch. Sure. That's about all I got for her. But, but so that was kind of where some of my, mm, my criticisms of this movie come out because we get some sense of her relationship with her brother, but we don't really have like a solid sense of these characters, who they are outside of each other. And I think we are supposed to see this quote unquote taming as a, way to evoke that anecdote that she gives, uh, you know, mid film where she's talking about this horse that she was supposed to train, but then her father had to end up using it for Scorpion King. And so is this like her way of, I don't know, again, not redeeming, that's not the word, but like getting back something that she lost in childhood. But again, it's like not this one-to-one analogy. So I, I don't really know where it's going. So like, I feel like there's too many things happening, but they're not building on each other or, or maybe that's just, well, again, that's what I was saying about the, it's it not, not coherent snugly. Right. Yeah. And maybe that's okay that it doesn't. Cause not all films have to like tie up very neatly in a bow because that's also kind of cheap in some ways. So I, I don't want that to be like my main sort of, Oh no, like this didn't really tie in because who fucking cares? But yeah, former co-host Michael Snydell always hated it when a movie was too neat. Mm-hmm. Which but even thematically, I just wanted it to be a little bit more 
uh, meaty to some degree. Right. Which, you know, and I think Richard has done a good job of like digging into it and pulling those things out. But I prefer if my themes are more like a potato than a diamond, you know, in terms of depth and effort needed to extract it. Spoken like a single father. I, I guess. I don't have time. Single dads are always talking about farming and mining. <laughs> That's the only things they talk about. I saw a video. I, I was. I was said, gonna say. I was gonna say. Uh, spoken like a true uh, whiskey or a distiller, right? Like, give potatoes. me the potato. Yeah. yeah I, I don't. Do I don't need diamonds. Fuck your diamond. <laughs> I was thinking more in terms of like, you don't have a lot of time to be really digging in. Well, so my daughter is actually gone for the next couple of weeks. So, you know, I'm going to get out to the movie theaters. So I was able to see this movie, you know, without stressing out too much. Um, You know, so, but the funny thing is because of that, I think I actually started grading it less because I had more time to think about it. If I had woken up on Saturday morning to Cora being like, we got to go to the dog park. I want pancakes. No, I've decided I actually want cereal. Like my brain wouldn't have woken up to the idea of, is that guy still alive? Where did the film go? <laughs> Why is it important that they got the picture when they've got all the film? The film's more yeah, important. Yeah, and like, yeah. you know, I literally woke up and my first thoughts were like, hey, your subconscious mind was turning that movie over a little bit over the past seven hours and we have questions. And I was like, I need someone to distract me from this. And there was no one. So I've just mm. been able to hang out with this movie a little more. Do you think Cora would have liked this movie? Um, no, I think that unlike some people, <laughs> nope. the monkey covered in blood would have terrified her. <laughs> I didn't laugh. Robin, Robin, I, Robin I don't know what that's like, about. Robin was like Robert De Niro <laughs> in, in Cape Fear, just smoking a cigar and laughing her ass off as the... Blood that monkey should have been appeared. smoking a cigar. <laughs> if that monkey was in roller skates smoking a cigar, we all would have been laughing as it murdered that family. <laughs> anyway. Um, I, I hope I, this becomes I, my reputation now. Everybody knows that Robin finds nothing funnier than a blood-drenched ape. <laughs> I, uh, I, I mean, your watching mom. The, watching the Planet of the Apes films being like, this is better than Wedding Crashers. I fucking <laughs> love the Planet of the Apes movies. Fuck you. The comedy <laughs> hit of the century. I mean, the, the one that was kind of comical to some degree. <laughs> The the one with the time travel, uh, where they actually like go back or go into the future, I think. I don't know. The, Is that one of the seventies ones? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I've that, only that seen one's the like original. legit good. Oh wow! I've oh, never damn seen it. the remakes. You, not to, oh no no no! I'm not, not talking. I'm not talking about the original. I'm or the remakes. I'm talking about the sequels. You didn't know yeah. there's like five sequels. No, of course I know them. Bill, I just haven't seen them. The first one, he goes forward in time, right? Like I mean, correct, they all time correct. Travel to an extent. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Oh shit! The pedant got pedantized. No, but no, I'm talking about the the ape civ- civilization uh, one. I oh. I really enjoyed that one. I think you it's like the third or fourth series. one. My favorite was the Tim Burton one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Speaking of, course of it is. Uh, monkey movies. Um, so Terry Notary played Gordy, and he is also King Kong in Kong Skull Island. Uh, additional crew in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And uh, additional crew in Avatar and The Hobbit. So this guy, he, he knows. Is this like a, uh, an Andy Circus situation? It seems like it, yeah. He, yeah, he does a lot of mocap. 
Yeah, uh, motion capture choreography for Avengers Infinity War, for Legend of the Jungle, uh, Lion King, Eli. I've never even heard of that. Good work if you can get it. Yeah. Did it for Lovecraft Country and Space Jam A New Legacy, which... Uh. <laughs> We yeah, almost covered that last he's, year. He's 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 fucking over uh Haywood Hollywood uh apes, you know? Like fuck them apes. <laughs> I did fuck make a CGI. I, yes. I did love make when a CGI. They in the painted yes. fake horse. Yes. <laughs> so I was just like, God damn it. <laughs> Can't even get a real fucking horse. Um Yeah, I don't know. I wish I liked this movie more. I really do. I like I you know. I was so high coming off of Get Out and I just like, I feel like we're already in, I almost said like the village territory with this. Wow. But I I really liked Village. uh, That's the thing is I watched the village the other month and I was like, the other month. Don't, don't do that to yourself. I was like, maybe I do (laughs) like the village. And then I get to the point where she's like, I have the magic rocks. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, no, this this does step over the line a couple times. I haven't you know. seen it because I heard it. Was, well, basically, when it came out, it was just already an enormous piece of shit. So I just didn't feel like. The yeah, people hated it, it from release. And I was just like, I saw it opening night and I was like, fuck, yeah, this movie's great. And the magic <laughs> I got out and like, destroyed yeah, me. Um, it's the but here's the thing. It's it is a very similar situation wherein as I'm rewatching the village, I'm like, God damn, this is a this is a filmmaker like this is a, a real ass maker of movies right now. Like this thing is art design directed shot perfectly. There's just you need to, you need to pick a different story, maybe refine some stuff, you know, and that's basically how I felt watching this. So that's that's good. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm glad I saw it. I'm, I'm glad I saw it in theaters like. I I think, uh, Richard, to your point of, I mean, I don't even know if you've said these words or maybe it's just the way I'm interpreting it, but like you're rolling with it with some of the, I don't know, flaws or whatever, because they're not as important as, as it is as a whole piece, like whether that right. is thematically or just from a cinema from a cinema point of view. And I think that's, you know, that's how I want to read it ultimately. Like those those story issues or whatever aren't really going to be as important as how the movie made me feel. Uh, the the overarching like message of the movie about you know the the way that Hollywood has treated like black filmmakers or people who've been a part of or or black people have been a part of filmmaking. Um, and I think there's something larger here that I don't even have the language for because I don't know enough about that history. Um, but it's, it's definitely evoking it and it's making me curious about it. And I think that's what is important about the movie. Yeah. That's, that's what I, I love about, you know, the movie as well. Like it, it invites curiosity and I think it invites further research. And I think those are the kind of movies that, I don't know, speak to me uh the most. Like I, I love a I love a deep dive. Um mm-hmm. I love looking at like how all the little pieces kind of like make the whole thing. And so yeah, I mean for me, like the 
the flaws that may you know seem to be the the, the logic flaws or the character flaws that you know may seem to be there i'm more interested in like unpacking them you know as if you know maybe they're not flaws like what's the intention behind this how does this fit into the overall theme so i think you know for me that's why i i I love this movie yeah and and i think gosh you just brought up something that was so interesting just something you said i was like oh yeah like that thing and i can't remember what i was going to say but it basically you know reading them as flaws or not like ultimately I am very interested in Peel's interest in this wider history of, of filmmaking. Like it's clear that this is somebody who, you know, is not just a filmmaker himself, but like a huge fan of film, a film, um, mm. you know, not unlike say Scorsese or whom, or Spielberg or whoever, who are constantly evoking a history of film in their work. So I, I do have a lot of respect for what Peel does. Um, And like, even though I don't always feel like it comes together in a way that like, in the way that I like to read movies, doesn't mean that it's not worth, you know, the two and a half hours to just be in, you know, present with, with this uh, creator and, and, you know, what, what makes him excited and what makes him want and what makes him want to, what makes, hmm, I'm trying to say here is like there are things he wants to share with his audience, like that that spark that curiosity, that spark that you know further interest. Like I I remember when Get Out came out and there were all these like really really interesting like think pieces on the histories that he's um, touching on, but doesn't you know? But it's not like his job to necessarily be an educator here, but it's it's giving us so much to like unpack and and I feel like there's so much more that I don't know that I want to know more about in this movie. I think that's, that's important, even if it doesn't fully come together until I do that work. So I think ultimately it's a good experience, at least for me. I'm just, I still get hung up on like how far outside I am of all the emotional aspects of it. Like I just like just continuing to feel that way and then allowing that to like allow me to open up to the, the narrative issues it really, it really, it really was like the if the movie as it is recreated in my brain. You know, you see something and you build a little like monument to it, saying good or bad or whatever your feelings are, and just like waking up and realizing that like that essential mixture in the concrete of the emotional core wasn't there, and so that's making it break apart, and then that's showing you all the other flaws. It was, it was, it was kind of a, it was kind of a letdown in that way. And I just like, you know, as, as interesting as what we've talked about here is, and, you know, looking at like the history of Hollywood and stuff, it's just, I just can't get over that. And like, like it still left you cold to some degree. It was, yeah, I was cold emotionally, which is fine. You know, not everything has to move me, but then the more I thought about it beyond that, the more I realized that like, you know, after, after the, the Gordy flashback, I hadn't, I didn't really feel any sense of like urgency or immediacy you know, it's it just like, yeah, everything kind of started falling apart. Like, I don't know. So everybody keeps saying that, but actually, or everybody being like, I think that's like a, a consensus on the film is that it falls apart in the third act. And I feel like the opposite. Like it well, finally like, starts to go someplace. But that's There's... The, so that's the crazy part is that like, I think if you stretched 
if 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 you cut if if you went from the first time they called Antlers Holst, right? And then you take that and then you cut everything out between that moment when he rejects them and him actually showing up. I think you have a lot better movie. I think the movie wastes too much time getting to the point where they're finally doing the thing. And I think yes, all I agree. The and that's my biggest stuff issue. Let's the movie drag in a way like if it was a little faster and if you if you amped up the pressure a little more. You know, I think that that would uh, uh, like create a narrative friction or friction that would make it a little more, a little more interesting and maybe drive people out a little bit. But, you know, there's just too much, there's too much extra sagginess. Like it's not taut enough. It's not lean enough. The the interesting thing here is the obvious comp, right, with this kind of final conversation and sequence and even like the music and, you know, it's it's a very notable like comparison and like homage to Jaws, right? Like it's it's got kind of the, yep, you know, we can see him here. We can see him here. We can see him here because of the little little floaty guys and all that stuff. Like, you know. That's the barrels and all of that. It's also interesting because like we see them on the crew of the Orca, like get together and like I'm referring to Jaws here. Uh, They get together and like they're kind of trying to kind of hatch together a plan. But they're also like at a certain point kind of giving up. They're like getting drunk and they're just like, fuck it. Like, what do we do about this thing? Um, And that sequence like takes a long time. What I found really interesting is that this film seems like they've been planning this for a while. A, like they have to set up all this stuff. They have to do like, like plan it. They all have nicknames instead of, or code names instead of their actual names. Right. And like, there seems to be like a couple of like at least a week worse of planning that had to happen here that actually went down that we never really see. And I was really interested in the fact that like it kind of fast forwards past that because if we know anything about this creature, apparently it just feeds at like 630 every single night. Right. Like that's well. That was Steven Yoon's thing, yeah, right? The, I was about to say the metabolism of the creature is unknown to me because it appears to be Correct. fine for the first six months with one horse a week, and then it graduates maybe, to, maybe, and then it graduates to a horse every other night, and then forty people. You know, I don't know what it's doing. Maybe it's sucked up other desert creatures. Maybe like well, there's the, a point the where reason, they say, like I haven't heard a coyote in a while. Yeah, the reason I'm saying that though is that have they been planning this thing? While they're like looking at that cloud and then going up, oh, there it went. Ah, eh, fuck it. Like not bothering us. Like I'm just like, are you, are you like, what the fuck? Like you're just gonna plan this and just watch this creature like disappear every single night and like not rush. You know, I was just like, uh, I I feel. You know, again, I felt like that is their thing. Is they're like, we're not gonna fuck with it. It's not gonna fuck with us we're going to utilize it to get this shot right and get our money's worth out of it. And then, you know, get some money out of it and then fucking just bail. Right. I I just, you know, 
I don't know. I just found it really interesting that it seems like there's a long period of time of them planning and executing this plan. And yet again, they know where it's hiding and they're just like looking at it the entire time. I'm just like, that's fucking crazy. You know, again, like, you know, and, and this, this will probably be my final thing on it. Like the, the, my, my lack of fully grasping the relationship between um, Emerald and OJ Haywood my my ambivalence about what's going on with OJ as a character, my my feeling that Ricky Jupe Park is not quite betrayed, but maybe mishandled in terms of what a character that went through what he went through would do, or even his place in the movie. I think you could basically cut out Jupiter's claim in its entirety and and still have this movie be this movie. Um, it there's the and and then add into that again the fact that that final thing once antlers shows up and we have this the motley crew is finally together and now we're going to do something about this rather than just like kind of confusedly keep throwing horses at it there's there is a there is a shorter leaner more agile Mm -hmm. version of this movie that i think that i think does all the things that i needed to and maybe wouldn't do everything that that jordan peele wanted to do and therefore you know he shouldn't have made it because you know if it's not if it's not what you want it to be, why invest your time and money and your energy into it? But I think I would have enjoyed it more. And I think that it's a similar thing with us where, like I said at the beginning of this, if he if he hadn't felt the need to go into the rabbits and the tunnels and the classrooms and everything, if he had just said, like, here's some shadow people, fucking deal with it. Like, they're upset. You know, they live in an underworld. I'd be like, cool, that's great. I am willing to agree with that. But I think that there is, there is, uh, there's a, th- it's almost like I'm, I'm, you know, you want to take one step, I'm great. But if you're going to take two steps, take three steps. Like there's just, there's, there's, there's a thing where if you go the extra little bit, I need you to keep going because now you've opened the world more and you need to explain more. Whereas if you are telling a story and you're not giving a certain level of detail, I'm going to assume that's for expediency and I'm going to be okay with it. And I feel like for me personally, he's not striking that balance like he did in Get Out. In Get Out, he gave just enough information about this weird, I don't even remember the name of the, um, the company, the, the. It's, it's got something to do is it like the the moth or the butterfly? It's it's got something to do something with that because like like, it, it, it like transforms, yeah. right? But they, he gives just enough about that weird little like culty, you know, uh-huh. family thing that I'm like, ooh, that's enticing, but I don't need any more information. And in every movie he's made since think, then, I'm like, I need a shit ton more or a shit ton less. I, I think what's interesting that you're kind of pointing to though is is this weird intersectionality of commercialism and art right commerce and art and i feel like this film kind of touches on that a little bit you know especially with the tmz reporter which we haven't really touched on uh cool daft yeah that's i don't know if that's uh gonna get you very far on a motorcycle that seems very uh I, I don't know why there's even a hole i don't i don't understand that that's where his eyes are or his eye or something i don't know I assume that that's just a double mirror. Oh, I was about to say, if any of our many motorcycle riding listeners could could call in and tell us, yeah, tell me what the the fuck that is of a fully mirrored helmet. That would be great. 
Um, but I think uh, I, I think he's just supposed to look alien. Oh. Um, and the the weird thing is that that what you're asking for in a lot of ways, and, and I know this is not exactly what you're asking for, but basically the idea is that if you're a filmmaker, right. And he's, he's written, produced and directed these things. Right. So he's, he's had his hands in everything for him to have that self-reflection and ability to understand what is giving the audience too much and what is giving the audience just enough or too little, right. Require something like screen testing. Right. And that's where it's like, okay, but then, then am I basically telling the audience, like, am I trying to get an A cinema score or am I trying to get a C minus and I just don't give a fuck. And this is my movie and this is art. And you know, you get what you get, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those weird kind of like, I didn't like it because it gave me just a little bit too much. And it's like, well, to refine that takes so much energy. And like for him to like spin that, right. To, to like finally balance that where it's going to work for some people and it's going to not work for other people. Right. Yeah, and absolutely. I feel like and I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. An incredibly subjective thing. I mean, on this podcast, yeah. we've got me who's probably the least positive and then a spectrum of other people going all the way up to Richard who really liked it. And like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I would never suggest that like Peel needs to start listening to comment cards from fucking people in Columbus, Ohio. Like that's, <laughs> that's not what I want. And I'm not saying that like Richard's wrong or anyone else who enjoyed this is wrong. Sure. This movie was very well reviewed. There are a few people who agree with me and even some of them who fully agree with me seem to still be more positive about it. And that's cool. That's what we're here for as humans to live our own individual experiences but like, you know, I got to I got to say how I feel. That's literally my job. And, and though, that's just no, how it is. I, and I'm, you know, and I'm hoping that, you know, Peel and I were on the same level once before. I am hoping that it's not a case of his first movie was constrained by budget or like studio mm. notes or something. And that now that he's uncut, unfiltered, I'm just never going to like one of his movies again. That would be bad for me. Other people, it seems like it'll be fine for, but like that's that could be the case. And if that's the case, you know, fucking who cares? He's making original movies on a huge scale that lots of people like. Why would I be upset about that? Yeah, well, uh, the the good news is that Netflix is reeling back the production of you know their their crazy uh, movie budgets where they're just going, hey, one hundred and fifty million dollars, go make your fucking crazy ass movie, Martin Scorsese. So you know they're shutting that shit down. So yeah, I guess Scorsese's we don't have to worry about that. Crazy blank check movies, I really liked. <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know, but I also really didn't like Quran's uh, or. I don't know. There were other people who did movies that I didn't like on there. I'm sure the Russo's Brothers movie is terrible and I haven't watched The it, Gray so. Man. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's give the final word to our guest. Richard, is there anything you would like to say before we wrap up? Sorry. Sorry. Oh my God, no, I'm dead. <laughs> no, I'm good. Sorry. No, I just, uh, I, I enjoy the movie a lot. Um, I definitely like see where you guys are coming from. Um, you know, I think that's one of the interesting things. Like I, I appreciate that Peel's movies can create such varied uh, opinions and, you know, such 
interesting discussions. Uh, like, I'd much rather have a movie that like people can discuss like the meaning of and debate whether it you know fulfilled kind of what it set out to do than to just have a movie that just kind of like sits there and you know everything is is you know present and and what it is and you forget about like i feel like you know whether you you like this movie or love it or, or don't like it at all like i feel like it's definitely a memorable experience um and i think that that's that's pretty cool i mean like just you know, just what you you were saying, like the fact that he can make original movies with this kind of budget in this day and age where, you know, everything is, is dominated by franchises. I think that's, that's really cool. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I just think it's a, it's, it's an experience. And I think that, you know, it's, it's becoming more of a rarity that you get to have an actual experience, uh, in a theater and it's not just you know kind of either something that that meets expectations or or fan hype or something like that you know it's a genuine experience where you don't know exactly what you're going to see and i think that's pretty special yeah absolutely i mean like you know we're recording this on the week of comic-con and i know there are people out there who are probably very excited about that but for me that's like you know the the hordes of mordor marching you know just like it's that's what's taking over the world and it's going to come and it's going to destroy us all but like the fact that nope came out on the same weekend you can be like oh but we have this like this is happening and this is good and we're still getting them if we look for them and i you know jordan peele's one of those guys i don't think that i'm ever going to not want to see a new movie by him like that's that's uh, even as yeah, negative same. as I was on this. I there's so much to recommend in it that I'm going to keep watching because like why would I not? Like well it's it's an event. Yeah. Him I guess you know what Tarantino, Nolan like Oh, did y'all did y'all get the weird uh Nolan trailer for oh, o- yeah. Oppenheimer? Like after the after? I didn't see a trailer at my screening. Yeah. Oh, well, after yeah. after all of the intro you know trailers and stuff like that and then they i got told where the exits were nicole kidman told me that pain feels good in a place like this (laughs) and then then the syncope logo came up and i was like oh i didn't know christopher nolan yeah this movie i was like i was like damn jordan and then killian murphy was like i'm gonna fucking destroy the world and i was like whoa oppenheimer calm down yeah I th- I thought that was really strange. I guess it, you know they're universal. Like an exact readout to when it was coming out too. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I guess, they, I guess universally that's why they did the guesses. It. What I I wonder if they had to put it on the the digital packet or DCP. whatever for the for the the movie itself in order to get that thing with the readout, like of the time. I'm not sure what the. I'm not sure what you mean about the, in, the re- oh in the trailer, oh it's like in, you know eleven months twenty four days thirty seven minutes shit and 12 is is, is that if, is that the actual you think I, that's I don't know I'm terrible at math but I mean it was very specific <laughs> <laughs> okay I I thought I thought it was just that the world ends on that time that there was like a countdown no, to the like or was, the not the world in, ending but world changing no it seemed like it was doing a real time countdown 
Uh, you know, this yeah, motherfucker, um, this, this Chris Nolan motherfucker, you know, he he crazy. <laughs> well, the, the Wachowskis did that for their movie, the uh, the Matrix bumblefuck, whatever the fuck it was. The re- Resurrection? Re-reloaded? I don't. I, you're talking about the latest one? In December, their trailer uh-huh. had a thing where it would give you the time that you were watching the trailer, if you remember. I don't remember okay. that at well, all. That happened. Okay. I know it happened. Anyway, uh, so yes, so <laughs> there is a thing. So clearly, people are getting more creative with at least you know time in their trailers. I don't know, but anyway, looking. We got to wrap things up, brothers. We do. Yeah, we got <laughs> we got lost in this. Anyway, it's been a joy. Uh, I'm glad that I saw Nope, even if I didn't like it that much. Um, just because, like I said, it's interesting to talk about, and it gave us the opportunity to have this great conversation with our new buddy Richard Newby. So thank you, Richard, for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This was a fun combo. <laughs> Absolutely. Robbie Bard, what are we talking about next week? Oh, we're off next week, aren't we? I think we're off next week. And we I decided think the week that. After... Yep. Oh, what did we decide on for the fifth? I think maybe Prey, but don't hold us to that. Is it Be- When is Beast coming out? I want to talk about I don't Beast. know what Beast is. It's the movie. Yeah, August 7th. fights a lion. <laughs> August yeah, 7th. No to August 7th is Prey. Okay. That's what we should. Cool. August 19th is Beast. That's what we're doing. August 19th. Um, I'm sorry. You you know me. I cannot let a movie about a person dealing with a personal tragedy, fighting one-on-one, a wild animal in its element, not be seen and talked about on this podcast. That could go in the summer grab bag, bro. God. I never get to do anything I want. Yeah, you made me do ambulance. (laughs) Yeah, that movie ruled. Richard, did you like Ambulance? Yeah, I like the image a lot. Hell yeah. Cool. All right. Nah. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't I didn't hate the movie, but Jesus. All right. Anyway, um, I uh, can't even remember what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, but don't forget that we're brought to you by Mubi, mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial. And go to your podcatcher of choice and listen to the movie podcast. And don't forget to go to patreon.com slash filmstage show to give us your money. And that's about it. So let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we are in their ears. Let's begin with our guests. Richard, where can people find you and your work online? Yeah, I am on Twitter at Richard L. Newby. Um, and you can find, I post most of my work there, but you can also just like do a name search on THR.com. Uh, and then I am also in, uh, Fangoria, uh, the new issue, which features Nope, uh, comes out this week. So that'll be available, um, through subscription and then also at Barnes and Noble. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me hiding on that uh, non non movable cloud, uh, you know, <laughs> tax free up there, baby. Um, except can't just really, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, just really shitty cell phone reception, though. Don't 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 really message about, me when not, I'm it's in a little cloud. wet you're up above there. the mountains. You should have great cell phone <laughs> reception. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you can find me up in my cloud, uh, at Twitter, uh, on Twitter at cable BFG. Uh, I don't tweet much, but I'm on the Instagrams at Billstagram, uh, and always mixing it up uh, on the Slack channel. So, uh, it occurs to me that I should have for an opening song had that, uh, was the Rolling Stones where they're like, get off of my cloud. No, uh, I should have had that. No, that, that, yeah, I, I still you, you don't want to open Yup that. by E40. We're never listening to Up Yup by E40. Get over Rude. it. Rude. Oh. <laughs> Robbie nope. Barr. 
Where can we find your stuff? Yeah, we'd never do what Brian wants. Okay, <laughs> when we suggest music for the opening or outro, nah. I am the Lord. This is my fiefdom. <laughs> Robin Barr, okay. where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. That's my name. You can also find me on Letterboxd at that same uh, thank you. <laughs> And you can also find me, uh, sometimes find my writing at uh, The Hollywood Reporter as well. Uh, yes, as for me, if you'd like to learn more about my whiskey that I keep making allusions to, uh, schmidtspirits.com or inkwellwhiskey.com. Follow me on social media at Brian J. Rowan. And, of course, you can find uh, all of my writing and every episode of this year's podcast over at the film stage. Com. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next time. Still sell dope? No. Nope. Now you clean it in a bar, dove soap? Yep. Got a little gouda? No. Nope. Got a thumper, got a ruga? Yep. You in love with the house? No. Nope. She bringing you the dough?